Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. everyone. I am the host of this podcast. My name is Brad Rowland. This is not how the podcast normally opens, but today a little bit of a curveball here at the top. We'll be talking about baseball momentarily with myself and Eric Cole getting into the Braves slow start and the upcoming series with the Nationals because that series is not going to start until Tuesday now. But before we get into that, I wanted to open up as the primary host of the show. Uh, obviously, Scott and Eric are co-hosts. They are often on this podcast, but in the end, it is my voice for the most part on Talk Talk Podcast, dating back to when it launched with myself and Carlos. So I wanted to open up with my kind of thoughts on what's transpired the last few days. Um, the baseball, sorry, Major League Baseball ended up moving the All-Star Game out of Atlanta. That's the headline story from Friday, and there have been all kinds of takes flying since then on all sides. You know, just kind of some background factual stuff. Rob Manfred, the commissioner, who I've poked fun of a number of times on this podcast. Uh, He's not my favorite person in the world, and he's one of the most most people in the world. I think it's pretty funny to me that he's now seen by some as this, like, super controversial, uh, crazy, outside-of-the-box figure when he's kind of the opposite of that. He's pretty conservative and weird uh, most of the time. But he was, I guess, by all the reporting, has made this unilateral decision. He has talked to people, obviously, owners players, but this is, uh, baseball's gone to painstaking lengths to talk about the fact that this is Manfred's decision. The Athletic and ESPN's Buster Olney both reported that um, basically there was going to be some player boycotts, most likely, if they did not do anything here, and Manfred, in the end, felt like that he had to do something one way or the other. You can disagree with that, but that's been the reporting that's out there that I, I trust that he felt that was what was going to happen, and basically was seen as making a decision or making a statement either way, by either not moving the game or moving the game. Again, you can disagree with that, but that's kind of the reporting that is out there. Um, I will say this first. It absolutely sucks that this happened for a lot of people in and around the city of Atlanta. I've lived here for 30 years. It's my home city, Um, you know, the the metro area for sure. And obviously, you know, the Braves got a lot of flack on one side for their statement. I thought their statement was pretty bad and kind of tone deaf in a lot of ways, especially the use of our city as the words that they used when they moved out of Atlanta. And that got a lot of attention in a negative way. And I was not a fan of the moving out of Atlanta when it happened and all that. There's a whole different discussion. But um, I think that it's uh, important to just say this out loud. I don't like talking about non-sports things for the most part in public because of a lot of things. But I think this this week was a good reminder of why I don't do that. And it's because there's just no nuance anymore. You have to, everything is as far out as possible, and there's this visceral reaction. Uh, a good example of this is the piece written by, by a good friend of the program, Demetrius Bell, who writes for Talking Chop. Uh, Demetrius is a great guy, in my experience, and uh, I will ride with Demetrius on any level. Um, with that said, not everybody, even on the staff, agree with Demetrius, and that's part of the deal here. Um, not to make a parallel, but 
if someone writes something about baseball that people don't people don't agree with, they don't usually want that guy fired or want that guy canceled or whatever whatever word that I saw used on Twitter in the comments. Um, I know that I guess quote unquote political issues are a different breed, and that's totally fine. I think this is the, one of the reasons why I think this is a kind of a crazy discussion. It doesn't have to be political, but I guess it, I guess it is on some level um, harshly political in the reaction on both sides. And I'm not going to talk about my personal feelings for the most part on that. But I will say this again, our staff, I'm sure, in fact, I'm 100% sure, were divided on the thoughts behind the voting bill, behind the fallout of the voting bill, and then you get into the uh, decision by Major League Baseball. So there's not uniformity there, and that's not, that's usual. I mean, I think there's always this thought. I run a website at Peachtree Hoops that covers the NBA and covers uh, the Hawks. I can tell you for a fact, uh, our staff is not identical. We don't all think the same way about basketball, much less politics or social issues or whatever you want to get into. So um, Demetrius shared his thoughts. I will ride for his ability to do that. Um, I, I agree with a lot of it. I didn't agree with hundred percent of it. And that's, that's part of the, that's part of the deal. So uh, even then, like even beyond that, there's two s- sort of schools of thought here. There was the school of just leaving Atlanta. There's the school of not loving the voting bill, but also wanting to not harm people in Atlanta. And there's all kinds of nuance here and nuance seems to be dead. I've made that point a number of times, but nuance seems to be dead at any rate. Um, it does suck for everyone in Atlanta. I think, you know, local businesses, I'm sure there's gonna be some negative fallout there. That's unfortunate at the highest level. And there are people that did not like the voting bill um, very publicly that also did not want the game to move for that reason, because it could impact negatively some local businesses and all that stuff. And that's, that's a, that's a really a terrible fallout of this. And then there's the fans. I mean, obviously Braves fans, baseball fans around Atlanta, are not happy. And that's, I understand. I mean, it's, it sucks to not have that event. It's a marquee event for the franchise. It probably would have made the, made the Braves some money and their statement was not my favorite. Um, but it happened. Their use of, uh, the words quote unquote, our city did not go over very well because of course they moved out of Atlanta and took a pretty sweet tax deal outside of the city limits. So that didn't go over very well, but you know, <laughs> again, nuance is important to get into here. And I just, I'll just say this there, there's not going to be any more talk about this on this podcast, unless something crazy happens that changes it. Um, I'm not a big all-star game guy, which maybe I guess influences my, my thought process here. Obviously I would have monitored it a little bit closer because it was going to be in Atlanta. It's not my big thing. And obviously on this podcast, we'll talk about who makes the all-star game and that kind of stuff, but it's really just a baseball show in a lot of ways. I like talking about baseball. That's where the podcast emanated from. If people are listening to this and don't like what I've just said, that's, that's okay. Um, hopefully it doesn't devolve into you know, I have to be canceled or whatever it is. Like I saw and people lobbying in Demetrius's fashion. And also, you know, Corey McCartney on, on our site wrote a very different angle on the same exact material. So that's a good reminder that, you know, it can be nuanced. It can be different. You can talk about things without having to devolve into craziness, but that's all I have for now. I'll just say this. It's unfortunate for sure. Uh, there was a middle ground potentially uh, that, that major league baseball did not take and that I'm, I think a lot of people would have preferred of to, to kind of condemn what was going to be happening and also not not move it. Um, then there's the whole different discussion of politics and the vote and the law itself. And I'm not going to get into that here. It's not what I do. I'm not an expert on it. So at any rate, that's my rambling thoughts at the top of the podcast. Um, that'll be probably the last thing I say. Uh, I won't tweet about this, I don't think, but I wanted to open up the show, just share some thoughts. I feel like we had to address it on some level. And there you go. So after the break, uh, you'll get into a conversation that I had with Eric Cole about baseball. So after a break to hear from the sponsors, we will talk about some baseball. So hang on and we'll be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. I'm joined now by the great Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Bradford, it is good to see you. How are you? Uh, you know, it's early April, so baseball's happening. We're recording this on Monday evening, the 5th, and the Braves are supposed to be playing right now, and they didn't end up playing because uh, of the Nationals' COVID situation, which, which we'll talk about later on in the podcast. But we got to record a little bit earlier than I thought we were going to, which is nice for me because the NCAA basketball men's championship game is tonight at 9.20, and I have to cover that. So I am grateful to have this early recording time. That's all. Well, yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm kind of glad to be just – talking about actual baseball happening as opposed to like spring training baseball and people freaking out about bench slots and, and all this other stuff. It's been a bit more of an eventful opening weekend than I was necessarily planning on. But, you know, again, just at the end of the day, I'm just kind of glad to be talking about baseball, even though the Braves just ended up playing a pretty, I would say pretty unlucky and pretty weird season, season opening series. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as we talk here, the Braves are 0-3 which is not something that anyone expected. Uh, obviously, it's baseball. Anything can happen. You can lose three games to a decent opponent, and the Phillies are decent at the very least. Um, but they're 0-3. They started, just as a reminder, the Braves started 2-3 and last year. They started 0-3 in 2019, and they were 2-2 in 2018. So they haven't like been incredible out of the gate in any of these recent successful seasons, so that's a bit of solace for you. But they also scored the fewest runs in Major League Baseball over the first weekend. They scored three runs. And two of them were generated on one swing by Pablo Sandoval. <laughs> Just like we all predicted. Who wasn't so supposed to be like on the team all... like, like two weeks ago. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you going to say? Obviously, we'll talk about it in a little bit more detail with some what, you, some of what you mentioned about the unluckiness. Because the Braves did uh, have all kinds of bad luck when you look at the batted ball profile. Like, they hit the ball pretty hard for the most part and just kind of did not have any success. Whereas the Phillies kind of didn't hit the ball very hard and had some success. But... Yeah, they they gave us the full St. Louis Cardinals treat, treatment where it was, you know, like 55, 60 ball, miles an hour off the bat and these little flares that just kept finding holes. Whereas, like, you know, like in that first game, the wind was bad and, like, everything that the Braves hit was, like, rockets and it just died. Like, I think it was Freddie, Ronnie, uh, maybe a couple other guys. There were balls that were, like, you know, like 105 plus miles an hour off the bat and they just looked like routine pop-ups. And it's just like, yeah, which makes me wonder how Pablo even got the ball out that he ended up hitting out. But it was just... It was just kind of a crummy sort of series overall, batted ball wise, and you know, it it just it seemed like every game. I'm just like, what are we even doing? You know, like it's yeah. I mean, it felt snake bit big time. Uh, Twelve hits combined in the three games, five walks, and their lowest run total in three games to start the season since 2003. Uh, I was in high school, and I'm not a young man, Eric. So 
<laughs> it's been a while. Yeah, whatever, dude. Since like, they've yeah, not scored. Yeah, I know. Talk, talk, to, talk to me in a few years when you're, you know, in my age bracket. I understand. But uh, all right, we'll, we'll dive in now to the games themselves. Uh, we'll blow through these because these are obviously not too exciting. But opening day, Thursday, was the most exciting of the losses. Uh, three to two in extra innings. Uh, you know, some questionable defense along the way. Some pretty bad luck. Uh, I want to obviously the, the big the big swing was the Panda home run and by the way a one eleven point five exit velocity for yeah Sam he tanked Sandoval. it. Um, Bowman reported that was the tenth highest that he is uh, tenth highest exit velocity that he's had in six years. So he cranked that baseball. Um, it sounded good. It looked good, and that's encouraging if you're a Pablo Sandoval supporter. And also, this bench is not particularly exciting. So if he's a real bat, that would be helpful. I don't want to make too much out of one swing, but if you want to be positive about, about the opening day of the season. That was a, a small win, I think. So I have actually a question for you because Pop, I mean, obviously the, the the swing from Pablo was great, and there was like, again, that that get that game, it just felt like a lot of weird things were happening. With the weather was off, was pretty awful. Uh, it was seemed to be affecting kind of both pitchers. Like they they weren't neither one of them seemed like they were kind of the results of them throwing the baseball was what they're planning on doing. Uh, it kind of worked out just a little bit better for the Phillies in this particular game, but in this series, it seems like. Ender Inciarte was like the first bench bat being used. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So I have some issues with this. Yeah, I, wanna, I, I did like, not. Base with... I didn't love that. Uh, I understand it on some level because okay, I'll, I'll give you the pro, the pro case here for using Ender the way they have. And basically, I think he hit in the sixth inning at least twice in the three games. Um, or at least it was pretty early. Uh, and the pro case would be that he is the worst pinch hitter so maybe you use him early in a lower leverage situation i'm trying to explain this in a rational way i don't agree with this but that would be i think the only case that i could make is that they were not high leverage at bats um and you're hitting earlier because guys are not stretched out to pitch longer in the games and maybe you want to just say look this is a low leverage, a low leverage plate appearance uh, of course the counterpoint would be that enciarte has some I guess theoretical value as a defensive replacement for Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, that, that's what I was about to say. If you're using him this way, and like basically the only reason to like the po- the only positive reason to have him on the roster is as a defensive replacement, and the way you use him prevents you from doing that. Well, and what this is, is, this is the, the problem with having the four men bench that we talked about on last week's podcast. It's like if you think about it, if you have a four man bench, you know we all know he's not going to use Alex Jackson unless he absolutely has to. Uh, yep. So you basically have a three-man bench. And that's it's tough, man. If you're in the National League, people have kind of forgotten this in the last year plus because they because of the DH. But uh, especially right now with guys not stretched out, like the, you got to pinch hit a couple times in a game. Like there's not a lot of decision making that it's kind of like you're an auto you're in auto mode there with the pitcher um, from like the fifth inning on. Unless the guy's absolutely cruising, you're hitting for the pitcher from like the fifth inning on, and that's a lot of plate appearances for a three-man bench essentially. So. You got to have a plan on some on some level. I personally would not use Ender first, but I can at least kind of see it because they were low leverage. If if he had been hitting Ender with guys on base, and like that would have that would have sent me into they were, orbit. They were all recently close games. I mean, I get, I get. I mean, yeah, so I'm like, with you. You know, so like, but I understand what you're saying, and like, it's the problem with how the roster is currently being constructed, and like this plan for the bullpen game, which is like, I understand it, kinda. I mean, but I'm, on your, like side, <laughs> I'm on your like, side. It creates more problems I'm on your side. I mean, like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it, it just feels like the way they, in which they went about these early season games creates more problems than it ultimately solves. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I and just... like, and it has been it has been highlighted by the fact that the starters have actually been good. So like, right, you know, it... having to carry all these extra arms, like I don't know. It's, no, it's hard for me to understand. I, I get wanting extra arms early, especially this year with a bit of a strange ramp up. Guys are not going to be fully stretched out, and I, I get it. At the same time, it does not look good from the ten thousand foot view to have Ender and Ciarte's primary role in the first three games as a one plate appearance hitter. <laughs> That's not what he's supposed to be there for. Like he's supposed to be there to maybe unlock. And I guess granted they haven't been leading at any point. So you were never going to use him no. defensively. So I guess that's the uh, the get out of the get out of jail free card for Snit is that yeah. it wasn't like I they were winning yeah. in the ninth. Like if they if they were winning in the eighth inning and Ozuna made an error to lose them a game, he would have gotten a lot more heat for that. But it hasn't happened because they haven't been winning. So yeah, Ozuna actually in the first game made a really good throw. He I mean, did. Like, he that was a kind of a there. rope. Yeah. I was I was I was yeah. encouraged by that. Uh, and I actually saw some people on, on Twitter. And this is, of course, anecdotal, but I saw some people on Twitter like, oh, well, if that was a real outfielder, he would have been out. It's like, no, nah, man, that was a good throw. Like, full stop. Yeah, that was, yeah, there was nothing, like, fluky or, like, you know, that wasn't, like, a bottom 20% throw from that position. It was no. a good throw. It was fine, and I was, I mean, it's, again, it's one throw. It's the same thing as Sandoval swing. I'm not going to try to tell you that Marcel Zin is now good at defense or good or a good, a good a good arm in left field, but I was encouraged. Like, the fact that he had that in him to have, like, a very solid major league throw from the left field. That's the thing. Like that was, that was the thing that none of us knew, including the Braves. I think when they signed him is just like how far his arm had fallen last year. And that's what they were. I mean, they even said that on the record and uh, as well as like all the beat writers, even in spring were like, uh, he can't throw. It's kind of like one Pierre out there and left. Uh, so I don't know. The fact that he can throw a little bit is at least mildly encouraging. So I know, I know we we're we're going through these, these games and you know, we're about to talk about <laughs> The next one, which is primarily Zach Wheeler, just being really good. Yeah. But so this is a three-game sample. But we have also kind of seen this issue that I've been looking at through spring, and it's not the Freddie Freeman contract extension stuff. It's just Freddie Freeman in general. Oh. Because he didn't he didn't hit in spring either. I don't and, care about that. You know he. You don't care about it. You don't, <laughs> don't care about it at all. Not in spring. I mean, if he's hitting. Uh... Whatever he is now, like I guess he's uh, 0 for 12. I think he is maybe 0 for. Yeah, he drew, yeah, he, he, yeah, he drew some walks. I think in the last game, and I, I guess my only thing, I wouldn't be. I'm with you. It's just that when he already vocalized that, like having twins and being away from his family was bothering him as much as it was, and kind of like intimating that he clearly was sort of distracted and just kind of just, I guess, down a bit. Like I'm, I'm kind of curious as to like how long it's gonna. Last, because I mean, again, Freddie Freeman's like the most probably one of the more consistent hitters in the league, and to see him just to kind of not doing much is a little bit frustrating. <laughs> so I, I wasn't sure if it was something that was kind of like on your radar at all. It, I mean, it will be. I think I've seen the same things that you've seen as about what he said, but you know, he's he walked three times more than he struck out so far. Like he's got, uh, sure. yeah. I mean, he's he's walking on a quarter of his plate appearances, which is obviously a small sample size. But I don't know. Freddie Freeman's a guy. I just I'm, I refuse to worry about Freddie Freeman until you need to. And right now, I don't need to. I respect. But I respect I'm with that. you though. Like he doesn't. I mean, he's he's not looked great. And obviously, he's had a lot. He's had a lot of like off field stuff between the extension talks and the twins and all of what's transpired there. And of course, the pandemic still exists and all that stuff. So I get that. It, and you know, if it's a week from now and he's still struggling, I probably still won't be worried, but at least it will make more sense to me that we can talk about it. I just, you know, Freddie's a guy of pretty much everyone I wouldn't worry about because he just doesn't have 
slumps. I mean, he has a little, I mean, I think, I can think of one time in his career, basically that he's had a slump. There was like a one, like six week period where he was kind of bad, but other than that, he's just kind of a rock. So uh, when his, when, when his wrist was, a uh... yeah, I mean, and it yeah. was, pr- it was pretty easy to see what was happening there. He just wasn't healthy and wouldn't take himself out of the lineup. Right. So he seems to be healthy by all accounts. And honestly, if you look up and down the roster, I have this pulled up right now. There's only one guy on the team slugging more than 300 so far. Of the regulars, I should say, and that's Travis Darnot, who basically did it on one swing, and no one's getting on base, and you know it's it's all bad. So <laughs> it's three games. I, I absolutely short answer. I'm not worried about Freddie Freeman, but I, I do understand like having your antenna up, considering he doesn't seem to be thrilled with life right now. I mean, we, we can talk about the extension stuff real quickly now, actually, because we're talking about it. Because Freddie, you know, he got asked, as you would have thought, about the extension on opening day, and basically said, "There's nothing to report." That was the quote. Um, he didn't seem thrilled by all accounts. Uh, even the beat writers were like, uh, Freddie didn't seem very happy today. Um, and again, it could be extension related, it could be anything related, but that definitely is there. And Anthopolis had to go out in the broadcast and like, I guess, try to soften it and be like, we want Freddie here, et cetera, et cetera. Um, he also said he wants to be here at the end of the day, it's going to get done. Um, but I'll throw it back to you, Eric. We've talked about this actually before we start recording, but, uh, I, I would, I would say in my view, it's we've reached the point of legitimate concern about Freddie Freeman contract contractually because the season has begun. He's in his walk year and he's not under contract beyond the season, which I'm not telling everybody to panic, but uh, any notion of like hand waving it as not a concern anymore, I think is gone. It has to be a concern now. Yeah. And you know, we, we talked about it a bunch is that we just never felt like the Braves front office was one that's going to be giving us leaks anyway. I like, I like mused earlier in the, like earlier in the off season. I'm like, it's kind of wild that we haven't heard anything about a Freddie extension. And people were like, don't worry about it. You know, it's going to get done. That's the most, you know, that's the, the easiest decision the Braves have to make the entire off season. And I get why people said that. Right. And I get that there was no leaks that were ever going to happen. It just felt like to me that that, if that decision was going to be if that decision in that conversation was going to be an easy one to have, that it would have gotten done earlier in the off season. And now that we're in the season now, I mean, we, we see extensions happen mid season, but typically it's like, you know, it's not a guy's walk here. It's like, you know, he's got like two years left on his deal. Yep. And they just went ahead and knocked out an extension. You know, like there's like, you know, maybe an agent made a call. Hey, he's like, you know, is there any, is there any interest in go ahead and just like locking this up? We're feeling really good about the situation in a walk year. When you're starting to like face down free agency, typically you don't see those extensions made in the season. You hear that you see those extensions before the season starts. And that's why there was like so much of a onus on, you know, getting Mookie Betts locked up. You know, they, well, he's like, Hey, I'm not Lindor. Once the season starts. Yeah. Lindor's another guy. Um, he's, these are all, that's why those decisions are made because they just don't have those conversations mid season. Uh, because then, like, you know, then you kind of are, like, living and dying in the, on the moment type of stuff. And, like, it's a distraction, particularly of a guy who's, like, focused on just, you know, on a contending team. I, I just don't know when a conversation is going to happen. And it, <laughs> nothing feels like that they're having productive talks. And well, yeah. that they actually sent Alex Anthopoulos, who doesn't go on broadcast very often. Yeah. Typically, when he goes on a broadcast, it's like when, like, you know, like a bunch of injuries happen or there's like a big event happening or there's like a fire to put out. Well, and I think the only said, the only counterpoint there, by the way, would be that it was opening day. So maybe he just does it because opening day. Maybe. I'm just trying to be devil's advocate. I'm kind of with you on this one. He doesn't he doesn't talk a lot. But because it was opening day, you could at least be like, all right, this is a scheduled appearance by the GM on opening day. But I, I'm with you. I will 
to give AA credit, he said it was on them to get the deal done. He did say that. And there is 100% correct on that. Because letting Freddie Freeman hit free agency is nightmare fuel. Because there are going to be... (laughs) <laughs> like the, the, the there's not what how many teams wouldn't want Freddie Freeman on their roster? Well, especially because you know he's famously from California, and yeah, you know, the Angel stuff is going to be out there. Like you're going to hear the Angel stuff if he if he's a free agent. And I promise we're not going to do this every single week during the season. But if Freddie's no. under, if, if Freddie if Freddie becomes a free agent at the end of the season, if you thought we spent a lot of time on Marcelo Zuna last off season. Uh, wait till we get into Freddie Freeman's free agent talk, because that's going to be the number one dominant storyline of the offseason if he's if he's not under contract when the season ends. I mean, he, that that makes him the best free agent on the market, right? Of course. I mean, he's a yeah. top. F- I mean, I almost said five. He I mean, might, like, might they, even they, be top like, five, but he's a top. He's a top ten player in baseball. Full stop. Yeah. So if that guy, if that guy's a free agent, especially when as we both as we, as we both kind of just said, Betts and Lindor are locked up. Those guys are supposed to be the top free agents. Yeah, I mean, Freddie's older for sure, so. I guess maybe you could talk yourself out of giving him one of those like eight year monstrosities if you're another team. But regardless, he he'll be the best player available if he's if he's available. That's for sure. Like as far as right now today, the guy's the top two player in baseball. Like he's he's the reigning National League MVP. I mean, the guy the guy's out of his mind. So again, I'm not gonna try to do like fear porn on everybody now about Freeman the rest of the season. But no, it's a, I, it's I'm a concern, so, man. It is. It's a concern. It, it has to be. It, it is no longer just the like the, the people who are saying, you know, don't worry about it. A deal is going to get done are naive. Well, that, that was me and, until like last week. And now I'm there. Well, no, but they're still doing it. They're getting mad at people who are going, where's a, a Freddie Freeman contract extension? And then they get pissy when people are like, they're like, what are you talking about? Of course, a deal is going to get done. You know, and the problem is, is like the odds are lower now. They just are. And I don't, you know, it's. It's sort of silly to just not entertain the possibility that they might not be able to come to terms on a deal because they haven't come to terms on the most like the most common sense easiest decision for the Braves to make up until now. Yeah, no, like, it's it's if, absolutely right. If if the Braves said, "Hey, we really need to keep Freddie Freeman," and that was going to cost us from uh, like re-signing Marcelo Zuna to a long-term deal, like there's a not there's people that have been there's certainly been a number of people who are like you can afford to do both, but the choice <laughs> would have been Freddie. Well, like, yeah, I mean, we, we we would have said that. I, if they had come yeah. out, I, yeah, to your point there, if they had come out and given Freeman an extension and also kind of said in the same breath almost, look, we want to, this is priority number one, we want to lock up, we want to lock Freddie up, and essentially, even if they leaked it, just to say, like, this is going to keep us from doing some stuff this offseason, we would not have loved that. I would have criticized them probably for that, but it would have been an easier sell than letting, it, letting Freeman hit free agency because... Again, just, if, 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 if. And, and letting, and, and literally not talking to the guy. Well, and this is not, yeah, I, I mean, I assume, I assume now they've probably talked. I assume, but no one said that. That's important to note. No one has talked, but again, they're not going to leak that. That's why it was so noteworthy that last week when we talked about this, that Freddie actually said on the record into a microphone that they hadn't talked. Because that's the only way that it could have raised my eyebrows was them saying that. Because otherwise, we're, we're all assuming that they were talking the entire time, and they weren't, it seems. So, again, the deal could get done. We both just acknowledge that. Uh, I agree with you, though. The percentage of it happening, you just common sense wise, is a little bit lower during the season. You know, on the I guess on on the more positive side, I'll try to spin this a little bit now, and say that neither side has said that they will not that they will not negotiate during the season. You know, some players come out and say, "Look, I'm not negotiating during the season," and they say that on the record. It happens pretty regularly, actually. Yeah. Freddie's not said that. So that's that's one positive if you want to have that, if you're a Braves fan, is that Freddie's not come out and been like, nope, no discussions. 
once the season starts. He, he didn't say that. So maybe they'll, maybe tomorrow they'll come out with a deal with Freddie Freeman. It would not blow me away if that happened. Or in May if it happened. Or whenever. But the closer you get to October with no deal done, like every day, it's a like you know a decimal point, move it over. So I don't know. It's not great. I don't, I don't want to do a ton on this moving forward. And I promise you, barring, no, new, barring news on this, this is not going to be an every week topic the entire season. But uh, first podcast, they didn't get the deal done. It's a concern for both of us. I think most people are in this camp now. Not everybody, but but when, when, like, when like Dave O'Brien's like raising his eyebrows about it, that's when I start thinking it's a little bit more serious. Not not that DOB is like the only authority on this, but he's been around for a long time, and he seemed concerned about Freddie's tone in that press conference. Which I don't I don't like, I don't want to make too much of it. But when the beat guys who've been around Freddie's entire career are like uh, a little bit uncertain about this, it's not good. No. It isn't again. I'm, I'm class. I've I've maintained a mild concern, and that's kind of where I'm at. With mild it. concern is a good good thing to say. Um, okay, let's go back to the games quickly. Uh, we got into Thursday a little bit. We should at least talk about the two high leverage moments on Thursday's opener in the extra inning loss. Once was in the eighth inning when Pache struck out with the bases loaded, and he was about what six inches from a. If that, double. yeah, he almost had an opposite field double that would have like, that would have won, won, that would have won the game. Uh, that didn't happen. That's a good example of how unlucky they were in the first weekend. And then uh, in the tenth, with the always entertaining um, base running rule in the tenth, uh, Ozzy's on base, which is a good advantage when you have your uh, one of your fastest guys get on uh, sure. to start the inning. But um, basically, he hesitated a little bit, trying to score on a pretty short fly ball in the tenth. Uh, most guys would not have tried that, I don't think. Um, and I, I don't know if he would have scored if he hadn't hesitated, but he definitely did hesitate a little bit. Snicker said that he thought he should have gone 100 out of 100, out of 100 which is interesting to me. And and Albi said after the game that he initially heard Ron Washington trying to send him. I'm not sure, but I, I think there's probably some miscommunication, miscommunication there on some level. But what did you make of that in the moment? Because when I saw that happen, I was baffled that he went, but then you realize that it's Ozzy and maybe he's just like the kind of you know, speedster that can make that happen. But he was out by a comfortable margin live. And then you saw the replay of him, of him hesitating. And it's like, okay, that's why he might've been out by more. And I'm not sure he would have scored, honestly. So what did you, what did you see there? Uh, I was fine with him going. Uh, the, the hesitation wasn't great. Um, you know, then we could kind of discuss like, what does blocking the plate mean? And kind of whether or not there was, is that a rule you know, anymore? I mean, what's happening right now? Uh, I, 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 it's not enforced in any level of consistency. It was for like it was for like of, a month once. That was right. It. Yeah, and that it's not. It's I guess it's my question. It's kind of like you know what what were we supposed to even be doing anymore? Like, is this something we care about? Um, I'm fine with I'm fine with Ozzy going. I'm I, but I'm typically in the camp of like aggressive base running is good. I mean, then Quinn made a good throw. Like that was like a crazy good throw. So like, and you know once Rio Muto gets his hands on it, you know he's going to usually do the smart defensive thing to do to get to make the play uh the hesitation i think certainly made the play not close no. but i i'm i'm fine i'm fine with i'm fine the let's see there's don't slide head first too, by the way don't slide I, head first please Sanji. don't do that oh uh, yeah it, it never do works it. but um i i get why people do it but well especially you know, there not, when, when the plate is blocked like it's not like he was trying to get around him with like some like circus slide where there was a bad throw and he's way out of the baseline yeah he's, he's planted there like please slide feet first don't 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 do that. You're too bad. Yeah, just Come yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, like if it's Ronnie, Ozzy, Dansby, or Pache, just feet, I feet, feet, uh, feet, please, feet first. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, slide feet first. 
Ugh. Don't fly and don't fly headfirst in the first base ever. 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 Uh, that, that that that's the one that killed me. But, no, but um, I think he I think he might have made it, and it was it was a fine over. send. Like I'm fine being aggressive there with a good base runner. Wash is well known for sending guys. Like he's not shy um, about put, putting who, the green light up. Who did you send in spring trading? <laughs> oh god, was it pot? Was it panda? I think it might have been. It was. It was. It was. It yeah. was a base runner that had no business trying to score first. No, I mean Wash has a reputation, and I think he's earned yep. it of sending guys, and that's not a surprise. But with Ozzy, like benefit of the doubt, I think it's it's fine to go there. Anyway, I don't want to make too much out of it. They might have lost anyway. Honestly, it was the top of the, it was the top of the inning, um, and with the with the guy on second rule, like they they needed to score there. That's one of those things where with the new system, you better score on the top of the tenth. Or you're not going to win most of the time. It's just what it is. Like you got to score, and they didn't. So, um, last thought from Thursday: What'd you make of Freed? I thought he was not particularly good, but also he really battled and like ended up being totally fine, like results wise. I just think he didn't look great for him. Uh, early on, he looked like he was like just not things were not. And he like mentioned that like the cold was kind of giving him some challenges, and like it's the first start of the year. Early on, he didn't look particularly awesome. I think he kind of settled in and really like somehow put up like five innings with eight strikeouts, which you just take like all the time, you know? So um, I'm not super worried about him. He looked, he looked at the spring and again, in a situation where like it's windy and it's cold and it's the first start of the season, I think he looked fine. Um, and I think that just like he made some adjustments in game to kind of, you know, get, get the results that he wanted. And that's ultimately what he went with. Yeah, that was, uh, that sounds about right. I, I'm not worried about Max Reed at all. It was, it was, he, gr- he grinded it out and was totally fine, but wanted to at least mention it. Um, Saturday, as you said earlier, was the Zach Wheeler show. He was unbelievable, both on the mound. It was very, very good. Both on the mound and also at the plate, randomly. Uh, he had an RBI single off Charlie Morton and then actually had an RBI double off Sean Newcomb. Crazy. Um, I'll say this. Charlie Morton looked good. I know he was he the losing pitcher, and I know he, he, sort, of, he sort of hit a, um, a spell in the fifth inning with two outs. But if you watch that, there was not a lot of hard contact being made against Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton looked really, really good. He, straight, uh, he retired 10 in a row. Like, if you came out of that game worried about Charlie Morton, I'm not really sure what you were watching. I saw some people like, oh, Charlie Morton. I'm like, did you watch the game? Like, he looked really, really good to me. No, they no, they did not watch the game. And, like, it, they should be frustrated with, like, again, it was just, like, little flares, ground balls, fine and hole. I mean, both Wheeler like, and Hoskins' ex velocities were, like, 70 miles an hour. Like, they were not hitting the ball hard on him the entire time. Right? And it was the pitcher. The pitcher drove in three runs in that game. Like, Correct. I just, I don't, like, now, granted, for reasons I don't understand, opposing pitchers are batting like 400 against the Braves going back like years now. I, I, I don't miss that. I, I don't miss this. It's like, it was, I, I was, it was kind of a nice respite last year when we didn't have to deal with this, but cause it, it does seem that way. I'm sure we're wrong and I'm sure anecdotal, this is just oh, anecdotal, yeah, 100%. but man, it always feels like the Braves have some issues with pitchers. Um, and last year was nice. Like, Oh, no pitchers to face. And this time around it was like, Oh, we're going to bang you over the head with Zach Wheeler Having probably the two biggest swings of the game. <laughs> this is kind of, yeah. oh man, wild. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say that Morton looked good. Like I had no other takeaways. Like Zach Wheeler's really good. So there's no like great shame in flailing against Zach Wheeler. The other thing I wanted to say is Sean Newcomb did not look good. Uh, I am a big proponent of Sean Newcomb in the bullpen. That was not a good the start. full Sean Newcomb experience. Yeah. Walk. Come on, Sean. He hits a guy, strikes out two batters. And then gives up a double to the pitcher. Yeah, that, like, I, I, I I couldn't script a more Sean Newcomb inning than that one. Right it was there. it was extremely Sean Newcomb. Uh, I it hurt my soul as an advocate of Sean in the bullpen. I'm not saying it's over, but man, that was not a good start. Anyway, uh, Saturday was a maddening game. At least there was not a lot of drama. 
in that one. It was just that Wheeler was really oh. good, and that didn't. That oh. was he just kind of mowed them down, which is easier to take in some ways. Um, all right, then we'll get to Sunday here quickly. The backup catcher, of course, hit the solo home run off Ian Anderson in the second inning to put yep. the Phillies ahead on brand fashion. Um, Anderson, by the way, your guy doubles in his first major league at bat. <laughs> I, w- I would have lost so much money betting on that happening, but I mean, yeah, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled for Ian. He looked good in the game too on the mound, but you know, like the, 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 he actually managed to get a hit. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even know what to say about that. I was. It was. It was pretty funny. Uh, and I will be. I will be candid with you, Eric. I've never seen him hit before in my life until that moment because I, last year obviously I he didn't hit a couple. So yeah. I'm well, sure you in have the minor leagues in minor leagues like like Kyle Muller. When you see him, he's a guy that can legitimately mash. Right. Uh, Max Freed, sure. I saw in the minors before now can legitimately hit. Now they're both pitchers. So like, you know, it's more of a, hey, something good might happen in this at bat. Right. Uh, but Ian, not the guy that I would have thought. Like, and Tukey's a guy who can hit, too. But uh, oddly enough, Ian, not the guy that I would have pegged. Uh, he's not like faulty. Uh but not the guy that I would thought that would have roped a double. And it was like a well-struck ball, too. Um, yeah, uh, throw for him. Yeah, that was funny. And then, of course, right after that, Acuna lines, lines into a double play at 111 miles an hour. <laughs> it's like the most brave sequence in the world. So um, I was looking at this this game in particular. It was I think I looked in the seventh inning. Is that of the top five exit velocities in this game, only one of them was a hit. And then the bottom five exit velocities, three of them were hits. One of which was a double. Yeah, I that's, mean, what do you? I mean, do? baseball's dumb, and that's not the Braves. That's literally the entire game. It was just kind of. It was a weird, thump. weird game yeah. on Sunday. Um, the one, the one hit slash run the Braves generated was a Travis Darno home run. Um, that was nice to see. The first run the Braves scored in eighteen innings, so that was not what you would like to see overall. But that was a good swing. Uh, Chris Martin, we'll t- we'll touch on this now. Give up three singles to lose the tie game and then eventually become the losing pitcher, I believe. Um, and DOB actually left it. He actually left the game with an injury of some sort. And then it was reported afterwards that it was, it was tingling in his fingers. DOB reported today on Monday that he's day to day. So that's probably good news on Chris Martin because no one was excited about the way that looked. Um, anytime you have Chris Martin, who's had some injury history, look not great. And then have to come out of the game. That is uh, alarm bells. So hopefully it's just a kind of a one-off with his fingers because if you're a pitcher, you kind of need your fingers to be functioning properly. So maybe that's just a little bit of a simple fix. But uh, didn't love to see that. No, uh, and it kind of reminds you just how you know fragile bullpen arms are. You know he's and you know yeah, I'm glad that he you know came out of this start as opposed to like warming up and then failing to be able to come in in a pivotal playoff oh. game. Not 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 that that happened. Did that happen, Eric? Ago, I missed that. But, Weird. Yeah. So, um, I mean, look, they, I think they, they're do, they did their due diligence just kind of being safe. And, you know, when you're throwing a ball, when you're throwing a baseball and violating the laws of physics the way these guys do, like, you know, sometimes you're just going to, like, pinch something. Something's just not going to, you know I mean? Like, I, those things happen. But, you know, when you have your fingers start tingling, that means your nerves are involved. That can range from nothing to something seriously wrong. So, you know, it sounds like them saying, like, it's day-to-day is certainly encouraging. But I would imagine if we don't see him pitch in the next, what, if we don't see him pitch this week, uh, I would not be shocked if he goes down on the injured list. So, yeah, know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that for sure. And obviously he's one of the, one of the guys that they actually trust in the bullpen. <laughs> so they're going to need him. Bull- hey, back. hey, the bullpen was, the bullpen has been good. No, it has. Uh, no, I'm saying just broadly non, speaking, but you're non-shoot, right. Non-Sean Newcomb division. 
Well, but, for, for the entire for the entire season, by the way, that's three games. But bullpen, ten and two third innings, one point six nine ERA. Like, what are you gonna what are you gonna say yeah. about that? They were great. Can't can't ask for more than that from the bullpen. Rotate. Rotation's been great too. Yeah, really. I mean, the pitching, the run prevention was not the problem, <laughs> obviously. In those first three games, uh, yeah, the starters, fifteen innings, three point six ERA. Like, you can't argue with the, with the run prevention so far. No issues there. Uh, last thing on the games themselves. Uh, let's talk about the let's talk about the umpiring on Sunday. Oh God, Brian so Knight. We don't we don't spend a ton of time on umpiring because I'm not I'm not trying to be that guy. But uh, Acuna strikes out on. Just a comical third strike call with a full count in the ninth in a one run game. That was a bad. That was that was the single biggest moment probably of the of the umpiring performance. Um, and then Freeman and Ozuna walk with two outs. Uh, Darno flies out to end it. But the umpire scorecard Twitter feed, which I don't uh, always check out, but I did after that one. Um, I'm not sure how they get to this number, so this is just secondhand. But they had the Phillies benefiting by more than a full run from the home plate umpire in the game. Uh, and, you know, that's a respected Twitter account. I have, Again, I have no idea what the formula is, but it's not great to see. And it sort of backs up what, your, what our anecdotal thought process was, that home plate umpiring was not at its peak on Sunday, let's just say. He was not calling the bottom of the zone all game. And then he picks that spot to pick a pitch that's like four inches low. Like, that's going to be a... That's right, like, if you look back at the end of the season, in terms of, like genuinely like how wrong it was that's gonna be like a top 10 top 15 strike call that was wrong it was not 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 good at all uh in that spot too like again one run game super fast base runner because because Uh, angel hernandez is like kind of a known like you know he'll get mad and just decide that you know another team's just not gonna win that day well angel hernandez is like i it's, it's the guy who no one can believe he's actually still employed he's that's as bad as he is but Regardless, uh, this was not, it was not a lot of fun. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but the Braves did not benefit from the home plate umpiring on Sunday. Uh, as an aside, this is the first time the Phillies bullpen, which was, of course, hilariously bad last season, threw scoreless in three straight games since August of 2019, <laughs> which is a long What's time that? ago. It's, it's hard to be that bad for that long. Yeah, three. it really like, is. Uh, so that's another, another, uh, factor on top of the Braves struggles. Uh, courtesy of Mark Bowman, front of the podcast. The Braves were fourth in Major League Baseball in the first weekend in exit velocity. Fourth! Fourth! And yep. they also were tenth in expected slugging percentage. And they ended up... Hitting, the crap. hitting they, the crap out of the ball. They ended up hitting 128 batting average with a 223 slugging as a team. It's a three-game sample size, which is how this stuff can happen. But if you're top five in exit velocity and you're slugging 223, uh, I think the Braves have gotten unlucky so far, Eric. Just, that's, that's my hot take. Yep. Yep. Their actual batting average is over 100 points worse than their expected batting average. 128. I, I mean, the Braves got they, – they were hitting the crap out of the ball. And there's various reasons why. I mean, like, the Zach Wheeler game, like, Zach Wheeler, I don't think the Braves were ever going to beat him. No, he was really – I mean, really that well. game, That game. Really you're right. I'm glad, I'm glad you said because he was, he was awesome. So, yeah. that's but just going to happen sometimes. And, but, yeah, the, fir- the, the first one of the third game, like, come on. What are we doing? Games, games one and three, the Braves were hitting the crap out of the ball – and I mean, I don't even know what to say about it other than that. Just you know, it just felt incredibly unlucky. Get that. Hey, look, if you're gonna get all that out in like one series, that's totally fine. Um, so, but yeah, it was just an incredibly unlucky series. And you know, I was heartened. I mean, like Ronnie had a really good first game. Uh, even one like he was like three for five in one of the game, and then one of his outs was like again 110 miles an hour straight to center that died. 
because of the wind. And, you know, he had that really loud, like, double play. You know, that 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 strikeout that he had, like, like called the strike three, people are going to be like, see, he struck out again. And I'm like, you were clearly not watching that he game. He struck out again. That, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, okay. like, th- these called strike threes, that, like, and some of them are genuinely bad. He, he does take some close pitches that, you know, maybe I kind of wish he would at least foul off or something. But, like, he draws walks, and he's generally pretty good at that. And he was he had, had really improved at that last year. And that he that turned into a strikeout. Like I was like, okay, this is just not one of those. This is just one of those series. Uh, and Brian Knight's now on the list of guys who I'm not going to be particularly excited to see behind the plate, along with the usual suspects. Brian Knight's now a four-letter word for Eric. Um, anyway, okay, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on from there. Oh, la- sorry, last thing I have to say this out loud: the Phillies were 28th in X velocity. Well, I have no doubt because not, not, no batted ball that they hit that resulted in runs. Like, other than the, the Andrew Knapp home run, which was, like, legitimately tanked. Yes. Like, they were all just, like, broken bat doubles and flares that found holes. And I know I know there is a contingent that does not like the StatCast data. Um, and I get it. I mean, whatever. But simply put, if one team hits the ball at a top five level in terms of contact and velocity, and the other team is bottom three, and the team that's bottom three wins all three games... Uh, that's not normal, I'll say. This doesn't happen all the time. Obviously, it can happen. It's baseball. Weird things happen. But uh, I'm not too worried overall because of all of what transpired. Um, all right, last couple things here. There was a little bit of news this week. Uh, Camargo got called up because Adrianza had to go on the IL for a personal reason. He had to pass protocol to come back. Um, no issues there, but Camargo's been up. I have no I have no takeaway from that, Eric. He was obviously the first guy they were going to call up, so... No problem. Yeah, in that situation. Yeah. yeah. Season, I mean, you want to you want you want the extra infielder with some flexibility, totally fine. And then the Braves signed minor league deals for Carl Edwards, who they let go in spring training. To uh, he opted out, looking for another deal, couldn't find one, came back. And then Jesse Biddle, is old back. friend, old friend Jesse Biddle on a minor league contract. Uh, I I have no idea if we'll ever see these guys in Atlanta, but two arms that like people recognize and some reasonable depth. It's, that's kind of all I have to say about that, but it happened, so. Yeah, just kind of extend your bullpen, put some guys in Gwinnett that, like, they're familiar with Biddle. Now, because they're familiar with Biddle, <laughs> makes me wonder if he's actually going to see the play. Uh, I, I liked Jesse when he first when he first debuted. Uh, there was certainly a little bit of luck they had going on his way, but he was also kind of, like, he had some weird reverse split stuff, and like, he had some big spots in that, for that first season he was up. The following season, not so much. Uh, was Seemingly couldn't get anybody out. And Carl Edwards was a guy that I liked in I, I liked him in spring training. Uh, the walk stuff is a real issue, and you know, he, he got legitimately beat by Nate Jones in that competition for that spot. But I'm kinda like having him in the minor leagues too, especially if like he can kind of if you see him like take a tick up in his command, I think he's a valuable bullpen arm. So uh, these are the kinds of minor league deals that you want your team to be making. Is this, you know, just getting more depth and just, you know, just in case anything happens to bullpen arms, because something's gonna happen to bullpen arms. Always. Uh, and before we get out of here, this this next series against the Nats, again, we're supposed to start on Monday as we're talking. It did not happen because the Nats have not played yet because of COVID stuff. They have a full-fledged um, breakout, which is unfortunate. Um, but they're going to start on Tuesday. It was announced. That's now happening, barring, barring another change of some sort. Um, it's going to be Drew Smiley on the mound for his Braves debut on Tuesday in D.C., and then they're playing a doubleheader on Wednesday. That was announced today as well. A 7-8 doubleheader. I know uh, Scott Coleman, friend of the podcast, co-host of ours, was the uh, person that asked Mark Bowman, and Mark uh, quote-tweeted it to announce that. I, I knew that already, but um, 
it was a uh, kind of unclear in Scott's defense. Uh, I was not a hundred percent sure. I was fairly sure, but seven inning right. doubleheaders this year again. So that's happening. We will see what happens there. Uh, and by the way, one of the better rules changes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't like the runner on second, and I don't like the non non universal DH. Uh, but I, I am I'm pro seven inning doubleheader. That's that's fun. I think on some level. So, um, so yeah, that's happening. They're playing. They're playing in DC. The Nats haven't played yet, so who knows? Oh, it's also gonna be Max Freed on Wednesday, and the other game will be a, a bullpen game of some sort. Um, all assumptions are that it's gonna be Enoa starting the game, but with a short leash, he's not gonna go six innings. It'll be a bullpen game with him at the top. So uh, the, Nats, the Nats are gonna be shorthanded. There's not like an official roster right now for Washington as we talk on Monday night, but uh, they're gonna be without some guys. We don't know who they are like officially. But they're going to be shorthanded, so that's kind of an advantage for the Braves, you would think. I don't want to make COVID out to be uh, a, an advantage spot in baseball because it's still a serious pandemic, but it probably helps the Braves I, to play to face a shorthanded Nats team. I don't know. No, so here, here is the rumor that I have heard. I do not know this to be certain. That two of the players that are not currently participating in workouts today are Josh Bell and Trey Turner. If I, I saw the Trey Turner thing. Playing. Yeah, he's he's good, so that would be helpful for the Braves. Well, and against the Braves, he's batting. He might be batting 500. So, um, you know, th- those are the two names that I've heard that may not be around. Uh, you know, you still have to deal with Juan Soto. You know, he's very very good. But you know, yeah, th- I people are getting really mad at the Nationals for having this little mini this little outbreak that they've got going on. I until I see that they actually like. There were protocols that were like very obviously broken and irresponsibly so, like the Marlins were last year, uh, like the Cardinals were, like going to casinos and you know going to clubs and stuff like that. Those are legitimately bad, and I feel like you know the league needs to not like you know keep bending over backwards to let them you know screw over other teams' schedules. However, I will say that we don't know that was the case with the Nationals, no. and I mean COVID is like it's very contagious, and you know one guy can just get it from and still to be have done everything right and then you know gives it to a few guys before they realize there's any, any sorts of problems so you know I, I, i'm i'm kind of in the pump the brakes on the you know like demanding that they forfeit the whole series type thing no i wouldn't do that. um but at the same time i understand the frustration uh, especially if they had to like go further than just like moving one game into a double header um so yeah, yeah i think i think, I, I, I think on, on some level at some point they have to play and that's unfortunate but you know part of the reason why they've constructed the rosters the way they have and the taxi squads is so that you can play. So they can't just keep not playing for two, unless they just don't have the bodies, which they clearly do have enough players to play between the taxi squad. So they got to play on some level and maybe that helps the Braves this week. Uh, and it does, you know, there was a brief moment when it looked like the Braves were not going to have to have their bullpen game and they were going to be able to just skip that and just stay with their starters. That would probably help them. But, you know, facing a shorthanded Nats team, the bullpen is stocked up as we've discussed with the 10 man, group down there so they have enough to get through that get through that game it's gonna be a long day though saturday will be uh sorry not, not saturday uh wednesday will be a long day and in fact they have to get through 14 innings with only one starting pitcher and it's drew smiley who might go four innings i have no idea what's gonna happen with drew smiley i'll be the first person to admit that i am pro drew smiley this is a pro drew smiley podcast but he might be bad i have no idea he, so he will strike out batters what happens beyond that there's no way we going. will see uh okay final thing eric where's your panic level after open three one to ten zero one to ten panic like level. actual zero like actual zero yeah okay. i mean like the, 
the confluence of events that were required for the Braves to lose three games in that series it are not things that are problems with the roster or with coaching or with decision making. It was just stupid, dumb luck, bad weather, and another guy pitching his brains out. People should not be up, should not be panicked whatsoever. Just full stop. I agree. Uh, I I'm trying to think of a scenario in which I would be panicked after three games. If I mean, it would probably have to take like multiple like season-ending injuries for me to actually register panic after three games. Uh, and especially with what you just said, like the way that the way that actually went. Yeah, they went on three, but it was about as uh, I don't know what, what do you even describe this. It was about it was about as positive as zero three could possibly be because of all the underlying numbers. Like there weren't there weren't yep. injuries, there weren't like they ran into Wheeler, and the other two games were like so weird. And the Braves were the, probably the better team in both games. So like I don't know, I, I just don't. I'm not worried at all. Listen, they got they got to win at some point. If you if you dig like a one and eight hole. Like on some level, on some level, you have to worry at some point because the games all count and you have to win enough games in a competitive division. But at zero and three, I, I do not care right now. Uh, on Thursday, if they're zero and six, eh, it's a little bit funny. You start you you at least start wondering what's going on. Well, only only because it's banked losses. Like I know we just did hand wave the first three games, and I think rightfully, but if we're talking about this in the way we have before and that this is going to be a competitive division, you just got to bank wins and we'll see. So a big week in that, obviously you don't want to let, let things spiral out of control, but at own three, I, I, you and I are aligned here. I just don't have too much uh, in the area of concern, but uh, here we go. We'll see what the rest of the schedule looks like. And they're finally going to be home late, late this week. So Truist Park will be rocking. I'm sure. I know they have uh, incre- increased capacity, Hopefully people are safe when they go to games. That's kind of my only request there. But hopefully people will be rocking and rolling. It'll be fun to have people in the in the building, and uh, we'll see what happens when they come home. But hopefully not coming home at zero and six. <laughs> yeah, that that'd be ideal uh, for our sanity as well as just kind of you know for the team's overall performance. Yep. All right, Eric. Well, uh, if you have anything to plug, please go ahead and do that now. And if not, we'll get out of here because it's uh, almost time to watch basketball for me anyway. A couple minor league type plugs. Uh, I had I previously did an interview with uh, relief prospect Casey Callick, uh, yeah. former former draftee. Uh, it's taken me a while to get the. I had to do it on a Zoom call, and the Zoom audio was being really pain in terms of like not wanting to play on my computer. But I've got that working, so I'm transcribing that now. That'll come out this week, and folks may want to turn into the road to Atlanta. This week uh, on this very same podcast feed, if you're already subscribed, the very same feed, you'll get subscribe because there will be a short. Short little podcast where I'm going to have a conversation with one of the writers, uh, just kind of getting caught up on news, minor league stuff. But then the majority of that podcast is going to be what I think is going to be a very fun conversation with one Michael Harris, outfield prospect for the Atlanta Braves Professional Baseball Club. Uh, we get about five or six questions every podcast about Michael Harris, so I figured it was probably just be best to talk to the man and see if we could run down as much as possible. So that's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, check that out for sure. Subscribe slash follow whichever podcast I've been told recently, Eric, that a lot of the podcast feeds, um, I think Spotify is one that's like this. Uh, it's, it's now follow instead of subscribe. And I always say subscribe, but I think people know what I mean. But subscribe, follow, whichever, whatever way that it is for you on your podcast platform to follow this podcast. Please patronize our podcast feeds. Yes. Uh, in whatever way, whatever way they choose to. Also rate and review and tell your friends if you have. Braves fan friends, they're not listening to the podcast. 
uh, at least have them try it. If they don't like me, that's okay. Um, maybe they'll learn to, or, or, or they, maybe they won't. That's, or they don't like me or they don't like me. That's true. That's I mean, possible. if they, but listen, Eric, if they don't like you, they can like try to be like strategic and skip episodes from you or Scott. If they don't like Scott, same thing. If they don't like me, we're in trouble. Cause I'm, I'm usually here, which is, that's, that's not that's true. Not, that's not true. Idea. I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm, I'm a little bit easier to dodge. Although you that's are fair. on, you are definitely number two on the, on the feed because you're also on road to Atlanta. So you are probably even on more oh. than I am. Uh, we'll see. Uh, no, not, I'm not, I'm not there yet. There's no, I'm saying if, good. if road to Atlanta happens every week, you'll pass me eventually. Just saying, because, yeah. because you're on every, I mean, yeah, you're on every episode of that sure. podcast and like almost half of the other ones. So yeah, yeah. fair. Anyway. Lots of me and Eric. Occasionally, this guy named Scott Coleman will be on the podcast. Allegedly. Uh, if you're a new listener, welcome welcome aboard. Hopefully, you enjoyed the show, um, and the rest of the season will be more positive if the Braves continue to win at some point. <laughs> I've I made the joke at some point this week that I, I'm pretty sure at some point they'll, they'll lead a baseball game. At this point, they have not led even yet at any moment this season. So, it'll yeah. happen soon. Thank you, Eric, for joining me. Subscribe, rate, review, everybody. Road to Atlanta coming. I've always enjoyed those. Also, read all of our written content. Shouts to Chris Willis, managing editor of extraordinaire of the website. There's all kinds of stuff all day, every day. The best place to find written content as well. And we'll see you all. Um, oh, by the way, the plan for this week, the Braves are scheduled to play on Sunday evening. It's a, it's a, it's a night game uh, at Truist. And because of that, my plan right now, as we book on the air, is to record with our West Coast correspondent, after the game so that's yeah, the you, plan. yeah you guys have fun with that one well yeah it might not it might not be over till 11 o'clock so i'm i'm i'm, I'm calling in scott and now i'm doing it on the record on the podcast so he has to he has to come on and know he's actually already agreed to do this but uh that is yeah, our plan tweet, send, yeah scott coleman 55 make sure you send those yeah feel, send feel free to uh tweet scott to tell him this is going to happen but he already knows um but that that is our plan it, as always if it changes follow um follow us on twitter at jockey shop follow me on twitter at bt roll and follow eric at leprechaun and you'll find if there are programming changes but there you go on that that's the next time that we'll be back on the podcast one more time subscribe rate review we'll see you next time